Romans chapter 8 there. Today we celebrate the independence of our nation. Man, what a great day, amen, as a, as a country. And so we're going to just to take a little bit of a, a political, not political, patriotic spin. We're going to leave politics out of this, amen. We're going to have fun in the Word of God and be reminded of uh, all that Jesus Christ has done for us. Listen, I'm thankful that we can live in a country that's free. We get to gather together. We're live streaming today. We're able to, to share these things on a public venue because we live in a nation that is free has been uh, purchased with the blood and the sweat and the tears and the sacrifices of great men and women that are represented in this room today. And we are thankful to have such a great heritage as a nation. Are we perfect? No. But I'm thankful that we have the opportunity to be born in America, the greatest, the greatest nation in all the world. Can I get an amen? amen? Man, I love our country. And I'm thankful for it today. I love what John Adams said. He said, July 4th ought to be commemorated as the day of deliverance by solemn acts of devotion to Almighty God. May this be that day. May this be that day that we have. And I thank the Lord that you're here with us today celebrating what Christ has done for us. Because the greatest freedom was not July 4th, 1776. The greatest freedom was purchased for us on the cross. And I can't wait to share with you a little bit about that this morning. But if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you know that without Him, we couldn't remain free. And we couldn't be free. Yet the freedoms that we enjoy as a citizen of the United States of America are not as great as the freedoms that we enjoy because we have Christ as our Savior. Because He was willing to come. Because He was willing to die on the cross for you and for me. We enjoy great freedoms in Christ. And, and we're thankful for that. And, and this is a freedom from bondage to sin. It's a, a freedom from the tyranny that uh, plagues us. It is a freedom from the debt that we could never pay. All these things have been given to us because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. I tell you folks that today is a day that we celebrate as a nation, but as a Christian I celebrate, and I have since January 31st, 1988, I continue to celebrate the freedom that Jesus Christ bought for me on the cross. It's a glorious thing. And so let's look at the Word of God together. Romans chapter 8, we're going to read the first four verses here. As we look at uh, God's Word today. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit is, uh, of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God, sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Let's stop in prayer. Father, we bow before you this morning with thankful hearts. Lord, thankful for this nation. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Thank you that we can still read as a national motto, in God we trust. And Lord, as the people of God, we assemble here together today because in God we trust. We trust in you more than uh, the hands of men. And we trust in you more than the plans of men. And we trust in you no matter the changing uh, seasons and the, and the uh, times that may change. We thank you that, God, you are unchanging. You are unmovable. You are our God. And so as we worship you this morning, may you be the focal point of everything that we do. And may, Father, you help those who are still trapped in sin and still trapped by Satan's devices and lies to come forth and be free, free through the Son, whom the Son hath made free. Oh, praise God, he is free indeed. And so we thank you for the promise. May you do a mighty work here in our midst today in Jesus' name. 
Amen. As we look here today, and we're looking at Freedom's Walk, I want to share with you two things about this. First off, the price of freedom. And we're going to look at our national the cost that it was for our nation to be free, but more importantly for us to be free spiritually. What a great hope that we have because of Jesus Christ. And today, as we gather as believers, man, it's an exciting thing when we come to the Word of God and we read there uh, this first verse, there, uh, there is therefore now no condemnation. Man, I don't know about you, but I deserve a lot worse than what I receive. But by the grace of God, we have been, uh, uh, we, we are destined to something that is awful, but by God's grace, we have an eternity that is sure. And so our national liberty did not come cheap. I want to share that with you first. John Adams said this, liberty must at all hazard be supported. We have a right to it, derived from our maker, but if we had not, our fathers have earned it and bought, uh, bought it for us at the expense of their ease, their estates, their pleasure, and their blood. He was saying, listen, if they hadn't been willing to sacrifice so that we could have the, the, uh, this country that protects that right from God, he said we wouldn't have it. Over 1.3 million American soldiers have given their life in various wars since the birth of our nation in defense and in pursuit of freedom. He's gathered that for just a moment. Maybe not one family here has never, maybe there's a family here that uh, has been affected by that price. Soldiers that we loved, family, friends, brothers, uncle, son, never came home. We're thankful for their sacrifice. One man said, it is the United States that all freemen look for the light and the hope of the world. Unless we dedicate ourselves completely to this struggle, unless we combat hunger with food, fear with trust, suspicion with faith, fraud with justice, and threats with power, nations will surrender to the futility, the hopelessness, the panic on which wars feed. I tell you, the world still looks to our country, and they still want to be here, as is evidenced by what's happening on our borders. I love our country. Perhaps the best Express tribute is, is a tribute that's entitled The Price of Freedom. says, Some were ready and prepared. Others were so young and, na and so naive. Some of them chose to serve our country. Others had no choice. They were called to serve. As they hugged and kissed their loved ones by, their hearts were heavy and, their and, and tears filled their eyes. Not knowing if they would be coming back home or if they would die, it was so all so unknown. As they prepared to fight for freedom, they prayed to God for their safety, and they left their loved ones and their lives that they had known. And they departed to an unfamiliar land, risking their lives and making so many sacrifices. Being away from family and friends, giving up what most can't comprehend, the horrors and atrocities that our veterans faced and endured, you may not ever know or totally understand. They protected our rights our freedom, and the rights of others. Because, we listen, we believe that this is not just our right for freedom, but every man, woman, and child on this planet. It goes on, it says, so that we could have and enjoy freedom in our land. Some came home to a hero's welcome. Others didn't come home at all. They made the ultimate sacrifice. So came home some came home and were disgracefully shunned. Others have been so shamefully forgotten. All of our veterans served our country with great pride and true honor. There is a price for freedom which they all so graciously paid. They all greatly deserve to be remembered and honored. After all, they are truly 
America's heroes. So thankful for those who have been willing to give so that we could be here today and be free. Plato said, the, pr the price good men pay for indifference to public affairs is to be ruled by evil men. May we choose to give thanks to God for the liberty that has been bought by the blood of those and the sacrifice of those men and women that have stood in our armed forces, that have stood against the face of evil, that were willing to go in, uh, and, and fight against uh, those that would, would bring oppression. May we be willing to continue to, to continue this fight to keep our freedom. I remember President Ronald Reagan said freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it to our children in the bloodstream. It must be fought for, protected, and handed to, on them uh, or, uh, and, and handed on for them to do the same. Or one day we will spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it was once like in the United States when men were free. May we know, may we recognize, may we be willing to also continue to carry on the freedom that our nation is and has today. But let me just say that the sacrifices that men and women have had are nothing in comparison to what God gave for you and I to be free spiritually because our, spiritually was, our spiritual liberty was very costly. And that's what, as we come in the book of Romans, he shares this because as we look at Romans chapter 8 and verse 1, he says, there is therefore, this word therefore points us back to what he was just dealing with. And he deals with some of the inward struggles he was dealing with as, as a Jew. And he says in verse number 15, for that which I do, I allow not for what I would, that I do not, but, that what, but what I hate, that I do. He says, listen, I can't hardly keep the law on my own. He says, it's impossible for you and for me to keep the law 100% of the time. We can't do it on our own. And so God knew that we needed something, someone to pay the price. I couldn't do it and you couldn't do it. The sad truth is, is that all men start this life in bondage. We inherit a sin debt if we could, if I could. Have you ever, ever had someone that was heavily in debt? Maybe you've been there before and you feel the weight of that debt uh, maybe you know that mortgage payment is coming or that credit card payment is coming and man, you just can't, you can't think, man, I, I, don't, I don't think I can pay that. Who's going to pay it for me? How are we going to get this paid? And you feel that debt. Well, each of us, as we enter into this world, the Bible says in Romans 5, 6 through, uh, 6 through 8, says, For when we were out without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man would some even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. He saw us in the debt of the sin that we owed, and He looked upon us, and He had compassion. He says, listen, you can't pay it, but I can. You can't do it, but I can. You can't, you can't take care of this, but I know someone who can, and that's Jesus Christ. And so God, in His love and His grace and His mercy, was willing to send His only begotten Son into the world to purchase for us and to, and to pay for us the debt of sin that we owed. The Bible says that we are all sinners. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one, in Romans chapter 3. And we see other places that God reminds us so that all of even our righteousness, all of our the good things, the things that, man, I pile up and I say, look at all the great things that I've done over here. He says, even all of those things in the eyes of God are as filthy rags. Man, I couldn't come to God on my own. There's no way I could approach God in my own sinfulness. There's no, because He is holy, He's righteous, He's perfect. I couldn't approach Him in my own sinfulness, but then Christ stepped in. But then this wonderful Savior came into the picture and it says that when we were without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. 
He says, For scarcely for a righteous man would one die, yet peradventure for a good man would some even dare to die. Yet, it says in verse 8, But God commendeth His love toward us. Listen, in your sin, in your ugliness, in the filth, in, the, in what we are, when, when nobody else knows. Now, we put on a good smile and we have a good suit on and, and man, we, we put on a great face, but down in the depths of our heart, we know and God knows what we are. And this is what God says, I love you anyway. I love you enough to send my only begotten son to die in your place. You see... Romans chapter 6 and verse number 23 says, For the wages of sin is death. This wages is something that we've earned. And as we look at the sacrifice of Christ, as we lead up to Romans 8, we see that He was willing to come and to die for that wage, to pay that sin debt that we owed. There's nothing that we could do. It would take me all of eternity to pay for my own sin debt. I couldn't pay for yours. You couldn't pay for mine. Only the sinless Son of God. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 through 19 says, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold. You know that there are some uh, belief systems out there and some churches out there that will tell you, well, if you pay this penance or you pay this offering or you say these, uh, these chants or you, you follow this and you carry this cross on bloody knees up, up this old hill then, and, and you get to the top of it, then, then you'll have your sins possibly forgiven. Or if you sacrifice this uh, on the altar or you pay this, uh, this, this payment, I'm telling you, that's what people are doing today. But Peter wrote and he refuted that and he says, for as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your father. He says, it's not this, it's not this old tradition, but instead, this is what he says, but you've been redeemed with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Only Jesus Christ could pay that payment for you and me. And Paul writes to the church in Rome and he uses this word therefore and he says, listen, it's impossible to do this, this keep all the law that the Old Testament had written. It's impossible. Your flesh is going to fail you. But when he gets to Romans 8, he says, there's therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. If you put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ today, he says that you are in him. The picture here is like what we have in the Old Testament when Noah went into the ark and then him and his family and all of those animals and they got into that ark and they were there and the Lord shut the door and they were in the ark. He didn't drive planks in the side of the ark and he said, now hang on, Noah, it's going to get rough. He put them inside that safe place. God sealed it shut. God is the one that secured them. And, and as we look at this picture here, he says, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. If you have put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, you are in him. You are secure. There's nothing that can remove you from the promises of God there today. Isn't that glorious? I'm telling you, folks, that's something to get excited about. When we think about all the freedoms that Jesus Christ has bought for us on the cross, the greatest freedom is no longer am I a slave to sin. No longer am I bound by the, the, uh, the, the, just the, the penalty of sin. I've been set free through Jesus Christ. You see, in his flesh, he tried, Paul tried to do everything that was right in his own flesh. But he found what he did was wrong instead. But after Christ... He reveals that he was able to live free, free through the blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, praise the Lord for the freedom that Jesus Christ bought. 
The last part of the verse says, Who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. He was no longer bound by the punishment and the pain of sin, but he'd been set free by Christ. He was not bound to, to follow after sin because the Holy Spirit indwelt him and he was able to go forward. No longer did he suffer the condemnation of his sin because he had experienced the liberation and the reality that Christ had set him free. Elizabeth Keckley was a slave in Missouri before the Civil War. Her greatest desire was to purchase freedom for herself and her son. And so her owner agreed. He said that, listen, if you can raise $1,200, you could gain your freedom. Now, for us today, $1,200, it doesn't seem like much. But could you imagine in that day and age, where the average income was maybe $25 a month for an average person? It would take almost a lifetime for her to pay that off. But then being a slave on top of that, where would she earn it? So Keckley worked as a seamstress, and she came up with a plan to go to New York City and work there to raise the money. But her owner feared that she would never return, and so he wouldn't let her go. She couldn't do it in her own power. And so instead, there were some wealthy, some of her wealthy clients in St. Louis, they began to give to her and began to contribute money so that she would have all that she needed so that Elizabeth... Uh, could pay the price for her freedom and her son's freedom. After that was done, she moved to Washington, D.C., where she counted Mary Lincoln among her dressmaking clients. And, but listen, without the help of others, without the help of someone else, Keckley would never have been able to purchase her own freedom. All of us have been enslaved to sin with no hope of ever gaining freedom. Much like Mary Elizabeth there, she's just trying to figure out a way to pay her for her freedom. Many times it's what we do with man-made religion. And we work our way and we think, man, if I just do this, or you know, if, if, I, if my good outweighs my bad, maybe there'll be some mystical scale in heaven. But the Bible doesn't talk about a mystical scale. He only talks about was the blood of Jesus Christ will cover the multitude of sins. And so these man-made religions will leave us just like Elizabeth, wanting, maybe desperate, willing to do anything in order to gain freedom. But in mercy and compassion, this is what Christ did. Jesus gave his life for us. He came to this world. He purchased our salvation by dying on the cross and shedding his blood on the cross for us. And now, when we put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior, we are free from sin. But that freedom does not mean what we can get to do whatever we want to do. But God calls us to live for Christ. So what is the purpose of freedom? We looked at the price of freedom. We know it's expensive. We know it costs God, the, the eternal Father, the, His only begotten Son, who, by the way, has always been. He is an eternal God. He didn't begin at one point and then uh, goes on eternity. He has always been God. But if we see here the very first thing that God calls us to walk as free men. Verse 2, it says, For the law of the Spirit of, uh, of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For th what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinfulness, sinful flesh, or for sin condemned sin in the flesh, but that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. He calls us to walk after the Spirit. Galatians 6, uh, 5.16 reminds us, If we walk in the Spirit, we shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So we're called to walk as freemen. Colossians 2, 6 and 7 reminds us of this truth. As ye, therefore, as ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him. 
And what does that look like? Rooted, built up in Him, and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. He calls us to be rooted in Christ, to let your life be patterned after His, to be willing to to get into the Word of God and to grow in relationship with Jesus Christ. That is our call. If you're free today, if Christ has set you free, then your call is to walk with Him, to be this, this person that's rooted and grounded in the faith of Jesus Christ. But walking as free men is only possible when we do it through this Holy Spirit. I can't do it in my own power. I quoted this just a second ago. This I say then, walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. It's not my own power, my own ability. You see, a failure to walk in the freedom of the Spirit is to become enslaved again. To become that servant of sin once again. So we're encouraged then to stand fast, to continue forward, to walk as free men and free women, not to return again to that bondage. Galatians 5.1 says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. That's the call for our life. There's no greater call, no greater thing that we can do than, than to live and to strive for this freedom. We fail to walk as freemen and stand up for liberty. Think about this. If we fail in this moment of our nation's history, then the next generation and the next generation will not know what it's like to live free. If we fail as Christians to to share what Christ has done, then the next generation will not have the freedom that we have today. You know, I'm so uh, just discouraged when I hear parents say, well, we're just going to let our children kind of make their own way. Well, I can tell you what way that's going to be, and it's not going to be good. It won't be one that you're able to look at and say, well, I'm so proud of little Johnny. Look at the great things that he's done. But God calls us instead as parents to come along and to guide them, to teach them. The Bible uses this word, to train them. And I do that through my lifestyle. I do that through the way I live for Christ. They see the Bible lived out through me, but also through the Word of God itself. And you see, in our lives, what God calls us to continue to perpetuate this, this wonderful gospel and the greatest mission field we have as parents and grandparents and maybe great-grandparents, hallelujah over there, is that you get to share the freedom of Christ with your, with your kids. Khrushchev said that America would one day be conquered from within. In 1863, President Lincoln designated April 30th as a day of national humiliation, fasting, and prayer. Did you catch that? National humiliation, fasting, and prayer. Let me me just read a portion of this if I can. It is the duty of nations as well as of men who owe their dependence upon the overruling power of God to confess their sins and transgressions in humble sorrow yet with assured hope that genuine repentance will lead to mercy and pardon and to recognize the sublime truth announced in the Holy Scriptures and proven by a history that those nations only are blessed whose God is the Lord. The awful calamity of civil war which now uh, desolates the land uh, may be but a punishment inflicted upon us for our presumptuous sins to the needful end of our national reformation as a whole people. Intoxicated with unbroken success, we become too self-sufficient to feel the necessity of redeeming 
and preserving grace. We're too proud to pray to the God that made us. We have grown in numbers, wealth, and power as no other nation has grown, but we have forgotten God. So said in 1860s. 2021 could not have been a more appropriate time to have read that. How badly today we need that. Our, our patriots fought for freedom, not of religion. Or excuse me, they fought for freedom of religion, not freedom from religion. You see, we have the, the privilege, the freedom to be able to worship as, as our Bible sees fit today. And we follow the Word of God and we, we, don't, we follow its precepts. We don't have to look to the laws of man, but instead to the law of God and to follow it and to trust the Lord. For we ought to obey God rather than man. That's what our patriots died for. That's what our patriots were willing to shed their blood for, was so that we could be free today. Reverend Dr. John Witherspoon who was the signer of the Declaration of the Independence. He was a member of the Continental Congress. He, de he was described as the man who shaped uh, America, said, God grants that, uh, that in America true religion and civil liberty may be inseparable. Patrick Henry stated this, It cannot be emphasized too strongly or too often that this great nation was founded not by religionists, but by Christians. Not on religions, but on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. That's what our nation is today. John Quincy Adams, the sixth president of the United States, who was the chief architect of the Constitution, said, The highest priority of the American Revolution was it connected in one indissoluble bond the principles of civil government with the principles of Christianity. Did you know 52 out of 55 of our founding fathers were Christians? No religion, can, uh, no religion can long continue to maintain its purity when the church becomes the subservient vassal of the state. We must continue to... They fought for freedom. Let us continue to strive for freedom as well. On April 8, uh, excuse me, April 18, 1775, John Adams and John Hancock were at the home of Reverend uh, Jonas Clark. It was a he was a Lexington pastor and he was a militia uh, leader as well. That same night, Paul Revere arrived to warn them of the approaching redcoats. The next morning, uh, British Major uh, Pitcairn uh, shouted to an assemble assembled regiment of Minutemen. He said, Disperse, ye villains, lay down your arms in the name of King, the sovereign uh, of George, the sovereign king of England. The immediate response of Reverend Jonas Clark or one of his company was, we recognize no sovereign but God and no king but Jesus. They said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Today, unfortunately, men in black robes sit in their ivory tower courtrooms and they systematically invite the wrath of God. One radio commentator has said they poke guy, God in the eye with anti-godly decisions. We've replaced the tyrant of King George by a tyrannical federal bureaucracy. Although the hour may seem dark, and though the battle against freedom may rage, may we still strive for freedom. And that freedom is found in Jesus Christ. And so may we be willing to carry the gospel, the hope of the gospel into the fray. Listen, the greatest thing we can do is like that Reverend Clark, carry the word of God and say, listen, we have no God, but uh, no, no sovereign but God, and we have no king but Jesus. He's the one we stand for. He's the one that we strive for today. 
Let me just mention one last thing here, that God's called us to remain in freedom. Now, it's easy to fall under the yoke of bondage once again. Matter of fact, I, I, it has been said that it's when, I, when the people forget God that tyrants forge their chains. And, and as we look at that, we see that God's called us and God has given us great liberty in Christ. But as we, he writes here, he reminds us that, listen, our walk in Christ, our, this way that he's called us, this freedom's walk, if you will, is, is a journey. And God calls us to continue on that journey, not to take a sabbatical, not to take a break, but to continue with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so God calls us to remain free, to remain away from that yoke of bondage. How are we put into bondage? Well, Galatians 5.1, as he talks about this, I mentioned this earlier in the message, but he says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free, and be not entangled again in the yoke of bondage. And he was dealing with the, entang- and the entrapment of legalism, of the law. We get caught up sometimes in rules and regulations. Rules, rules wind up blunting the appetite for Christ. But joy is found in walking in the freedom of the Spirit. Now, this doesn't mean we get to do whatever, whatever we want. It means we get to live freedom, freely in Christ. One commentator said there are people who do not want us to be free. They, want us, they don't want us to be free before God, accepted just as we are by His grace. They don't want us to be free to express our faith originally and creatively in the world. They insist that we look alike, talk alike, act alike, thus validating one another's worth. Without being aware of it, we become anxious about what others will say about us obsessively concerned about what others think we should do. We no longer live the good news, but anxiously try to memorize and recite the script that someone else has assigned to us. We may be secure, but we will not be free. But God says, let us be free. We also, we become needlessly, uh, we become needlessly in bondage to sin. Romans chapter 6 and verse 16 says, Know ye not, that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants you are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. Who do you obey today? Several times this week as I was uh, just reading and studying, I came across this story and I thought, man, that's a, it must be something that we need to share this morning. Harry Houdini, who was one of the famed escape artists from a few years back, he issued a challenge wherever he went. He said I can, he could be locked in any jail cell in the country. He said he could set him free with, in, in very short order. You can put him in any place and he could set himself free. Always he kept his promise but once. One time something went wrong. Houdini entered into the jail cell in his street clothes. The heavy metal doors clanged shut behind him and he took from his belt a heavy piece of metal or excuse me, a strong piece of flexible metal and he began to work immediately on that lock. But something seemed a little different about this lock. He couldn't get it to click. He couldn't get it to work. And for 30 minutes he worked, and, and the sweat was pouring off of him, and he just, just seemed to get nowhere. And after 30 minutes, then an hour and passed, and still he couldn't get the door open. And by now he was, he was just exhausted from, the, from just the, the deliberation of trying to work through that lock and trying to get himself out. And, and, and finally, and of course, his reputation was on the line. And after two hours of laboring, he just fell down in exhaustion and he threw his weight against the door and the door popped open and he fell out on the floor. You see, the door was never locked. In his mind it was locked. And that was all it took him from being able to open the door and walking out of the jail cell. You see, he who makes the law 
His standard is obligated to perform all of its precepts. Even to break one commandment means you break the whole law is what the Bible says. It's impossible for you to be able to get to heaven saying, listen, I'm just going to be good. I'm going I'm to follow God. I'm going to do my very best. It's going to be okay, preacher. Don't worry about me. Listen, I am worried about you if that's your attitude. Because the Bible says that even if you break one law, you're guilty of the whole thing. But if you live by faith, I tell you, God... God, who, if you put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, then you set free from that bondage. Another problem, sometimes we forget the price of our freedom. We quit walking, we quit serving the Lord because we forget the price of the, the freedom that has been bought for us. 2 Peter chapter 1 and verses 4 through 9 says, Whereby are giving unto us exceeding great and precious promises. Isn't that wonderful? We, are, we have a rich spiritual heritage. And he says, it goes on, that by these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to kind, brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make, uh, make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Never forget what God has done for you. One of the greatest tactics of the devil is to make us forget what great things the Lord's done. We look about us. Sometimes a husband and a wife, we get frustrated with one another and we can't see the great things behind us. All we see is the frustration before us. We can't see the great things ahead because we're too blinded by the anger in our life. Sometimes it's that we treat God the same way. Well, God, how in the world would you let this terrible thing happen in my life? I just, I just don't get it. I, I, just, I, I don't know why you would allow this to happen. And the devil makes us see just what's right here. What we view is bad, but I remind you what Romans 8, 28, the last of this chapter, middle of this chapter says, and we know that all things work together for good to them that, uh, that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. You see, as we look at the Scriptures and we, we see this promise of God and we're reminded that God says, listen, look at all that Jesus Christ has done for you. We have great reason to celebrate today. We have great reason to say, listen, God, let my, my eyes never forget. Let me never wander from the path. Let me remain steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for we know that our labor is not in vain in the Lord. Let me just say that, that, that yesterday we buried a dear, sweet saint in the Lord, at Flo Sister Flossie Tucker, one of the greatest ladies and one of the greatest faiths of, of anyone that I know and and as we listen to her testimony in her life, I just reminded how that she has been faithful. She had been steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. And her heritage demonstrates that Sister Mary Joyce is her daughter. Uh, Sister Donna Tucker is her daughter. And these two dear ladies still love the Lord, even as, uh, and their children love the Lord. And they are, uh, Sister Mary is one of our missionaries in Burkina Faso. Her, her and her husband served there faithfully for 27 years. I believe. And, and as we think about this, we, we point back to this one mother who said, listen, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As for, well, I, I don't care what goes on in the world around us. I don't care what happens, but I, I remember what Jesus has done for me and I'm never going to forget. We're not going to forget what it was like before. How is it that a nation turns its back on its heritage because we forget 
Our nation's history is being rewritten before us. Let us never forget the history. Let us never forget Christ. There's an old hymn that says, and then we sing this sometimes, Lead Me to Calvary. I learned this years ago, and I just loved it from day one, the first time I, I, I sang it. It says, King of my life, I crown thee now. Thine shall the glory be. Lest I forget thy thorn-crowned brow, lead me to Calvary. Lest I forget Gethsemane, lest I forget thine agony, lest I forget thy love for me, lead me back to Calvary. Amen? That's where we need to be today. Let's go back to Calvary. Let's go back to that place of freedom. Because as we, as a church today, we remember what Christ has done. Let us never forget. Let us continue forward on that path. Let's say, Lord, as for me and my house, we will continue to serve the Lord no matter what this world does. Today, we celebrate 245 years as a nation. Man, God has blessed this great nation. But we seem to have forgotten. We've forgotten the pain of tyranny. We've forgotten the price of freedom. We've forgotten to walk in freedom. But even greater tragedy is when Christians forget the freedom walk. What it's like to walk in Christ. What it's like to continue to pursue Him. That no matter what may come, that, that Christ is the center of all that you do. You see, this, the cares of this world will drown out our ability to remember what Christ has done. But may we never forget Gethsemane. May we never forget that thorn-crowned brow. May we never forget Christ's agony. Perhaps, maybe we've forgotten some of this truth. But let me just sort of say, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Man, this great truth is something that we need to be reminded of and reminded of and reminded of because the world kicks us enough, doesn't it? So what's the solution? Walk back to Calvary today. Once again, we can see the heavy weight of sin. Once again, we see the lifter of that burden. Once again, we gaze upon the one that can transform your life. Once again, we can see that only Jesus can truly make you free. Only Christ can set you free today. But it requires that you come to Him humbly by faith. Listen, it's not about me. It's not about what I did. It's about what Christ has done. You see, on the cross, He cried out, It is what, church? Finished. He didn't say, to be continued. He said, it's completed. The work of Christ was completed on the cross. I believe that Jesus Christ came to die on the cross for you and for me. And if you believe that today, you can call out to Him. The Bible says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And you can call out to Him in faith and say, God, I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm a rotten a sinner that deserves no grace from you. But I believe that you came uh, through Jesus Christ. He came and He died on the cross uh, in my place so that I might have forgiveness of sins. And I ask you, Lord, that you would forgive me and that you would take me to heaven and redeem me unto yourself. And so please, Lord, forgive me. Cleanse my heart and set me free to have a new life in Christ. You can pray that today and be gloriously saved.